Good morning, sisters. Uh, it is good to uh, be with you all again. Uh, I recall that uh, probably a few years back, um, I actually began this series of um, lessons for the sisters in Vancouver. Um, that's in Canada, of course. And since that time, um, I have covered almost, probably by this morning, after this morning, half of those 48 lessons. That means 24. It was slow going, but I'm plodding along. And whenever there's an opportunity, um, we would share something to sisters in different um, localities um, here in the U.S. and I don't, and also in Canada, Canada after that time in, uh, in, uh, Vancouver. I remember also we did two lessons in, uh, Toronto as well. Well, I treasure these times. I hope you do too, that, uh, we would all be like Mary, having chosen the better part, and that is to sit at the feet of Jesus to hear his word, but not only to hear his word, for some knowledge, um, or even for some truth, but really to have our ears on his bosom, that we may hear his heartbeat, that we would know his intentions, as this hymn says, and that we would really touch <clears throat> uh, what is um, um, something more intrinsic, something more deep, um, that is in the Word of God. So this morning, uh, although the title is uh, very clear, we're going to uh, spend these two sessions, the first one in First Timothy chapter 2, and in the second session, <clears throat> which I surely hope you will all come back to join, uh, in First uh, Peter chapter 3. These I consider two sisters' portions, um, and they are twin portions, and it is good that we place them together back to back. They are both they both concerns the sisters' adornment, the sisters' uh, dress, um, and even garments. Uh, how the sisters would cover themselves, or even properly beautify themselves. But have no fear. This morning, I'm not going to tell you where to go to buy your clothes. I'm not going to tell you how much you can spend. I'm not going to tell you what style of clothing is um, is uh, allowed in the church. There's no such allowance. In other words, I'm not interested in <clears throat> speaking on this matter with a way of regulating the sisters. The fact of the matter is we are all free before the Lord and we live before God. And each of us have to uh, dwell before him according to our conscience and according to the sense of life. In the New Testament, <clears throat> we do not go by the law of letters. We do not live by outward uh, requirements and regulations. 
But there's a higher requirement that is an inner one. There's a higher, uh, a stronger regulation that is a heavenly one. <clears throat> and so, uh, dear sisters, that regulation is actually even stronger than the Old Testament law. <clears throat> Those of us who have the experience, um, you would know, you would say amen, and you know what I mean. So I leave that to the Lord, to the Spirit, and to the anointing within you. But this morning, I'm still going to talk about this, and through this, to see something deeper, to see something concerning how we should live, how we should be, how we should behave ourselves, how we could conduct ourselves, should conduct ourselves in the house of God, in the church of the living God. This portion in First Timothy um, is um, in an epistle, uh, so-called a pastoral epistle, written by Paul to his young co-worker Timothy to instruct him how he should conduct himself in the church. And through him and, uh, uh, and the teachings that Paul gave, uh, that all the saints would also would know how to conduct themselves and how to live a normal life in the church. And I would like to firstly read these uh, few verses to you and I surely hope that after this um, uh, conference, you will not just put away the notes and just uh, forget about it. I actually plead with you and encourage you, sisters, to come together in small groups, twos and threes, four or five, six or eight, depending, and get it back into these things again. Study this word. Reflect on them. Use your recovery version and get into the footnotes. And if you have the time, I absolutely will encourage you to get into the life studies of First Timothy, uh, that brother, where Brother Lee had a lot to say concerning these matters. And, of course, all that outline that you have before you are all based on the life studies and these footnotes. So I don't have that time. I'm here just to open up something for you to get into. So that is my assignment. My conferences always has assignments, and you have to do your assignments afterwards. I understand that you will have a kind of a breakout uh, time after the second session for 15 minutes, but, oh, 15 minutes is way too short. I hope you can spend the next week, the next two weeks, with some sisters to pursue Christ in with the help of this outline and the words that I will speak to you. So here are the verses and um, <clears throat> concerning the normal life of the sisters in the church in 1 Timothy 2, verses 9 to 15. However, I would like to start with verse 8, even though it's about brothers. But it's important to read that as well. I'll tell you why. I desire, therefore, that men pray in every place, lifting up holy hands without wrath and reasoning. Similarly, 
that women adorn themselves in proper clothing and modesty and sobriety, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly clothing, but with what but what befits women professing godly reverence by good works. Let a woman learn in quietness in all subjection. But I do not permit a woman to teach or to assert authority over a man, but to be in quietness. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, having been quite deceived, has fallen into transgression. But she will be saved through her, through her childbearing if they remain in faith and love and holiness with sobriety. So the reason I want to read that one verse concerning man is because it talks about men should pray every place. They should lift up their holy hands to pray everywhere without wrath wrath and reasoning. Then in verse 9, when it comes to the sisters, instructions to the sisters, the first word is similarly. Similarly, this is important. That means in the same way. So I would say first thing, sisters, just to remind all of you, just like the brothers, that means similarly, you should also pray everywhere. This is not just a brother's domain or a brother's job. Sisters, you should be a praying one in every place. You likewise should lift up your holy hands and pray much. You also should stay away from wrath and reasoning. But whereas there's only one verse for the brothers, instructions to the sisters occupy the rest of the verses, all seven of them, showing how important, how important the sisters are in a normal church life. For the brothers, I say, just one verse is good enough. For the sisters, we need seven verses. And so this morning, with the help of this outline, we're going to get into these seven verses. But let me give you six words that I want you to remember that will help you to crystallize uh, this lesson or this message. Six words. And they're in uh, in three pairs of two. The first pair is position and protection. Position and protection. The second two words are in the scriptures here, modesty and sobriety. Modesty and sobriety. And the third pair of two words are submissiveness. Actually, here the in the recovery version is the word subjection, which really means submission. I use the word submissiveness because to me, this is more descriptive. And holiness, submissiveness and holiness. If you would just remember these six words, this will help you 
to remember this message. Position, protection, modesty, sobriety, submissiveness, and holiness. Now let us get into this outline now. Um, Let me read the title again, the subject again, just to impress all of us. The normal life. This is talking about the normal life or the normal living of the sisters in the church. We're talking about in a local church, practically, all right? In your church, where you are right now. How you should live. How we should conduct yourselves, including how you should adorn or cover yourself or clothe yourselves. Adorning themselves with modesty and sobriety. I hope after the word today, you would all treasure these six words that I give to you. Um, You would not resist them. You would not push them away or reject them. Rather, you would embrace them. You would love them. And I would even say, in the spirit, you would practice to follow these words. Roman 1, we need to see the normal life of the sisters in the church. The first thing when it talks about the sisters, interestingly, here, as the apostle in the, the apostles' instructions, has to do with adornment. How about that? Has to do with adorning themselves. Here I want to say one principle. When we talk about clothing, you know, garment, dress, in a sense, of course, here, Paul was talking about the physical adornment, the physical garment. He talks about it. Proper clothing, um, uh, not costly clothing. He even talks about the hair, the braided hair of the sisters, so on. So these are physical descriptions, for sure. But this morning, my burden is not so much there. My burden is to expand that, to see Clothing really means our conduct. Clothing means our expression. Clothing means a kind of uh, uh, manifestation of who we really are. You know, what we are within will sooner or later be expressed without. So this clothing or this outward dress that is that we really fer- that really refers to our outward behavior and conduct in the end is an expression of how we are within what what does it mean if you are clothed properly without but inwardly you are a mess inwardly you are not well not right. Many years ago, we um, in that first rebellion in the 1970s, 
uh, in the U.S. Besides this ambitious one's uh, brothers who cause turmoil and a lot of problems in the church life. Concurrently, you may not know, there was also a sister's thing. I call it a thing because it was a thing. It became a kind of a flow that swept through many churches at that time. And I mean sisters. And I remember those who took the lead in this sister's thing in Anaheim, they dressed themselves in a very holy way. Long, long dresses. They put their hair in a kind of a bun or something like that. And they put this little thing in their head, head covering. And they walk around in a very, quote, quote, holy way. All right? So they surely adhere to these words in Timothy. But my goodness, dear sisters, that sister's thing was so destructive and so, um, so bad that it affects so many sisters. In the end, that thing is actually not to help the sisters be in subjection and in submissiveness, It is to what? It is to uplift the sisters to be, quote, quote, spiritual, quote, quote, to be strong. It is actually going the other direction, the wrong direction in helping the sisters. This is why I say they may outwardly look, seem proper, but inwardly it was something else. That doesn't mean anything. Dear sisters, my concern is actually not as much outwardly. I will not say I'm not concerned about the outward. Look, because Paul talked talked about it. But what's more important is what is inward. What is inward? Your condition as sisters inwardly, intrinsically is much, much more important. And we will see this throughout uh, the speaking this morning, this session and the next. And I want you all to pay attention to that. Not just about, you know, uh, how long your dress should be and what color it should be, those kind of things. But how am I? How is your heart? How is your spirit? How is your inner man? How is your inner being? How is your attitude? Dear sisters, this is the most important thing. When we talk about adornment, when we talk about your expression properly as normal sisters in the church life. So let us go. Adorning themselves, and we quote again the verse, verses 9 and 10. Similarly, that woman, women adorn themselves. Adorn means beautify. There's nothing wrong for sisters to be beautiful, to beautify themselves. We surely are not here uh, suggesting sisters should be uh, loose, should be um, uh, um, 
um, uh, just uh, improper in their clothing to um, uh, look like fuddy-duddy or whatever it may be. Sisters, we're not talking about that kind of a thing. We agree that sisters should be adorned. You know, one day, the church, the, uh, the overcomers of the church will be adorned to be the bride, to satisfy the requirements of the bridegroom, to be married to Christ, right? In uh, Revelation chapter 19, uh, the wife was, the, the, the um, bride was adorned, adorned, right? Beautified. And that beautified, that beautiful garment of white linen are the righteousnesses of the saints. That means not just this objective righteousness or the righteous garment that was given to us through Christ's death on the cross in his accomplishment of his redemption. We were given a first garment, the garment of righteousness, a beauteous garment. And that garment was free, given to us when we believe in the Savior. But that garment in Revelation 19 is another garment. That garment is not of the objective righteousness of Christ. That garment is actually Christ being subjectively woven, stitched in us to be our subjective righteousness. But that righteousness, when it's lived out, it becomes the pure and white linen in our behavior, in our walk, in our conduct, in our expression. And that expression is something on the outside, but it emanates from the inside. The source is Christ himself, the very Christ that has been worked into you and I stitched into you and I, and that will become our genuine beauty. And that is what will qualify us on that day to attend the wedding feast. So, dear sisters, women should adorn themselves, but they should adorn themselves in proper clothing. That must be an inward adornment, matched by the outward adornment. And yes, the outward clothing should match the inward condition, the inward situation. We need both. We need both. So in here it says, in proper clothing, with modesty and sobriety. And we will see here, these two things are actually the inward adornment that is eventually expressed in the clothing of the, of the sisters. In the expression of the sisters. What you, what you see is not just certain kind of clothing merely. What you see is modesty. What you see is sobriety. What you see are, is this holy expression without that emanates from a holy condition within, from a sanctified life, not with braided hair and gold or pearls 
or costly clothing. We'll get into this. But what befits women professing godly reverence by good words? Dear sisters, I tell you, I love these scriptures. I'm not a sister, but I feel like one. But in a way, before the Lord, we're all we're all those virgins, aren't we? We're all those daughters of Jerusalem. We're all those who have been betrothed to Christ. So I'm also a sister. And here, the what? We should adorn, sisters should adorn themselves in proper clothing in a way that befits, that befits women professing godly reverence and by good works. So you see here, Paul, in his speaking, back and forth as he was talking about the physical dress or dresses, was talking about another kind of dress, and that is something inward and intrinsic. Not only modesty, sobriety, but dear sisters, godly reverence. This is a kind of condition that a sister should profess before God. Godly simply means an expression of God, right? Here, there is a kind of something that is reverent, and that means something that commands respect. Sisters, the way you should adorn yourself should command respect. There's a kind of reverence there. There is a godly expression there. There is actually an expression of God himself. Also by good works, dear sisters, your works, your service, your care for people. Uh, All of this, all of this, all of these good works that is mentioned in the Bible are part of your adornment. If you, It takes these good works for you to be properly clothed. <clears throat> so reverence is towards God and works is towards men. So whether before God and before men, you have a certain kind of expression. <clears throat> that regardless of your clothing, people can sense, people can see, people can witness. Oh, I just I just love these words, sisters. I hope you would too. <clears throat> so you see here, sisters, there's no regulation we're talking about here. There's no how many inches about the knee we're talking about here. What we're talking about is something deeper than that. But what is within eventually will affect how we dress, how we walk, how we behave, how we comport ourselves or deport ourselves without. 
But the fragrance is there because it's something from within, because the source is Christ himself. The sisters, one should clothe and cover their body in a proper way. Proper clothing denotes what is fitting to the sisters' nature and position as saints of God. Now, we, let's talk about the outward clothing of the sisters. What is the proper clothing of the sisters? <clears throat> it should be the kind of clothing that is fitting, that matches a sister's nature. Not just a woman, but a sister, a saint, a female saint of God, a sister in Christ. How should you dress? I cannot tell you. I don't have a handbook. I don't have a guide. I don't have guidelines. I just say, sisters, whatever is fitting to a sister's nature. God made man the male with the male nature. He made the female with the female nature. There's no argument about this. This is the truth. This is the fact. Regardless what secular society is promoting and accepting. We're here talking about something in the word of God. We're talking, we're here talking about an undeniable created nature in human beings. Sisters, you know what that nature is. I don't need to say it. Not only nature, but position, dear sisters, as saints. You have a position before God and before men. Me too, as a brother, as a man, as a male. I also have a certain kind of position as a saint of God, as a saint of the Most High. You know, a lot of times, sisters, we fo- the problem is, we forgot who we are. We forgot. We are not just Christian believers. We are God-men or God-women. We are saints. That means the sanctified ones, the holy ones of God. We are children, even sons of God. We forgot this, and so we become sloppy. We become careless. We think we're just like people in the world. No, sisters, we are not of that source. We have another source, and we have another position. You know, for a president or prime minister, right, of a of a country, they have to properly comport themselves, dress themselves, that is fitting to their high office. Am I right? That is a very simple, simple um, fact. This is no different. If we remember what we are, who we are, and we would, what, treasure that position that we have as a saint, we would know how to dress ourselves too. In Greek, the word for clothing 
implies deportment, demeanor. So this is not just about the physical piece of clothing. It implies it implies the way we deport ourselves, the way we um, our demeanor. Uh, may I even say our gesture? I would even say the way we stand, the way we sit. All these things, you may say, well, what's the big deal? It does not matter. It matters very much, sisters. A sister's demeanor, of which clothing is the main sign for a sister, um, demeanor, it includes her clothing. In fact, it is the main sign, and therefore her clothing must befit her saintly position. <clears throat> Three, the Greek word rendered modesty. Now we come to these words, modesty and sobriety. Keywords, huh? One of the six words I gave you. Modesty literally is shamefastness, the kind of a <laughs> old word that nobody uses anymore. They don't even understand what this word is because this thing is not around anymore. What? Shame, fastness, to to be shameful, to feel shameful. Indeed, indeed, sisters, he'll be sad, he'll be terrible that we would lose any sense of shame. Sisters, do you know shame is one of your greatest protection? Here's the word protection. Shame is a virtue. This kind of shame. I mean, I don't mean you did something wrong and you feel shameful. I mean something of a proper, honorable shame. Let, let's finish this, uh, this, uh, uh, this uh, point. Modesty literally is shamefastness. That is bound or made up fat and made fast by an honorable shame. This is Vincent from Vincent. So this is not a bad kind of a shame. <clears throat> this is something honorable. There's something honorable about it when you have that kind of shame and you are bound by that kind of a shame. Implying not forward. Sisters, it is not becoming for for you to be forward. You know what this means. Or overbold. You know what that means. It's not fitting. But moderate. Observing the proprieties of a woman or womanhood. <clears throat> Just moderate. We're not talking about something ugly, something bad-looking, or anything like that. No, we're talking about moderateness, modesty. <clears throat> something that observes the proprieties of a woman. Four, sobriety. We now come to the word sobriety. The other main word that Paul used when talking about the proper clothing of sisters. 
Sobriety denotes sober-mindedness and self-restraint. Very, very helpful um, uh, explanation. So such sober-mindedness and such self-restraint or self-control should be with every proper sister. That sobriety is part of her demeanor, part of her deportment, and it would be reflected even in the way she dresses. It means to restrict oneself soberly and discreetly. You know, all these are very, very important things to pick up and learn and exercise. To be discreet, to be sober. Uh, You know, not to be one that is just so talkative, you know, just... um, uh, indiscreet in their speech, talking loosely, gossiping, uh, uh, spreading rumors, and and so on and so forth. That is a person that is without restraint, also a person that is not sober. The sisters in the local assembly should clothe themselves with these two virtues. These sisters. These are two aromatic virtues of Christ. Which virtues should be built up within us? Shamefastness and self-restraint as their demeanor. B, learning. Now, Paul talking about a woman should learn. A woman learn in quietness and in all subjection. Let a woman learn in quietness in all subjection, but I do not permit a woman to teach or assert authority over a man, but to be in quietness. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman, having been quite deceived, has fallen into transgression. One, quietness. Now, here are the um, a word that Peter would use again uh, in his epistle. And we will get to that in the second session. Quietness means silence. For a sister to learn in silence and in all subjection, I use the word submissiveness, is to realize her position as a woman. This safeguards Hence, protection. This safeguards the sisters from the presumption of overstepping their position in the local assembly. When a woman is noisy, talkative, not quiet, that means there is not much submissiveness in her. That means he is not cognizant of her position as a female. This also means that he has lost a kind of what he had, they have let or she has let her guard down, losing a certain kind of protection. Overstepping, dear sisters, is an ugly thing, not just for sisters, for brothers as well. When we overstep, 
our position, when we overstep our function, when we overstep our place, in this case, when we overstep our position as a woman, that's an ugly thing. And you will you will be uncovered and you would have lost your protection. Two, Eve was deceived by the serpent because she did not remain in subjection under the headship of Adam, but overstepped her position to contact the evil tempter directly without her head being covered. Dear sisters, um, I'm not harping on you. I'm not, you know, always just talking to the sisters in such a bad way. But this is the word of God. This is the word of God. Um, Man's fall started with the woman. It was the woman who transgressed first. And what was his transgression? His transgression is actually very simple. He got out from under the headship of Adam, of the man. In that overstep, he what? Did something unimaginable. Something that changed the whole course of human history, didn't it? He contacted the devil, the serpent, Satan, directly. She uncovered herself. And the rest was a tragic history of the fall of man. Three, this is the strong ground for the apostle not to permit the sisters in a local assembly to teach with authority or to exercise authority over men, but to learn in silence and remain in all subjection. Man's headship is woman's protection. I don't think I need to say more about this. C, their salvation Hallelujah, there is a special salvation for the sisters. Verse 15, but she will be saved through her childbearing if they remain in faith and love and holiness with sobriety. The word sobriety is used again. And that word holiness is introduced. A very, very important word, one of the six words I just gave you. A holy woman, actually, Peter would say, just like the holy women of old, like Sarah. We'll see it in the next session. Number one, childbearing is a suffering. Suffering restricts and protects the fallen one from transgression. Childbearing or not, Various kinds of sufferings that comes upon us has a positive effect. They restrict us. They protect us from transgression. So childbearing, particularly for the sisters. Two, in verse 15, Paul also mentions faith, love, and holiness. Faith is to receive the Lord, love is to enjoy him, and holiness is to express him through sanctification. I hope these are very, very experiential to us. Oh, day after day, dear sisters, 
Let us continuously receive the Lord. Receive him as the Spirit. Receive the divine supply from him. There's actually no way, even for us, to express God, to possess all these virtues. What we need to do, what we can do, is to receive him all the time. So let us stay in that organic union with Christ, shall we? And be in a constant state of reception, like the electricity being transmitted, right? From the power plant into our house, making everything, all the appliances work. Let us keep receiving. Let us spend more time with the Lord. That's why I have this hymn, Pray to Fellowship with Jesus. Sing that hymn. It's very wonderful hymn of uh, very <clears throat> different <clears throat> descriptions of our dear and deeper times with the Lord. We need these times. Love is to enjoy him. <clears throat> no doubt about this. Let us just love him. Love the Lord. <clears throat> that was actually my first lesson I remember in Vancouver on loving the Lord Jesus, to enjoy him. <clears throat> and out of this, we will what? We will have holiness. That is to express the Lord through sanctification. You see, by us eating him, drinking him, uh, digesting him, assimilating him, the Lord's elements and essence, holy essence, will be worked into our being. And so it is not us trying to be godly, trying to be Christly. No, no. There will be a spontaneous expression from us being sanctified and transformed. This is so real, sisters, so utterly real. B, by faith we please God. <clears throat> by love we keep the Lord's word. And by holiness we see him. So uh, I have no time. Please get into these things in your own study. <clears throat> love, I mean faith, love, and holiness. By faith we please God. By love we keep his word. And by holiness we shall see him one day. Two, the two virtues of modesty and sobriety are of great importance in the church life. A, in this lesson, we are especially burdened concerning modesty, the leading female virtue. Now we know. The top virtue of a sister, of a female, is in fact modesty. Modesty. B, in some families, there's not adequate stress on modesty. Rather, boy, both boys and girls are brought up and instructed in the same way. No, they should be instructed differently. A boy should receive boys' instruction, and a girl should receive girls' instruction to be modest. See, modesty is a virtue which emphasizes the difference between male and female. This 
matter of modesty actually demarcate a male from a female. It emphasizes the difference. As we have pointed out, the Greek word rendered modesty in 2.9 is literally shamefastness. That is bound and made fast by an honorable shame. I think, sisters, mothers, if you have girls, daughters, you really should, from a young age, train them up. Train them up. The word is to train up your, <clears throat> your daughters to possess such an honorable shame, to understand modesty. We all need to be taught in these things. Without the teaching, they would not know. I do agree. I do agree. Today, such kind of home teaching, uh, home nurturing is somewhat lacking, resulting in the society we see today. There's no difference anymore between the male and the female. There's no demarcation. There's no separation. One, a word related to the virtue of modesty is shamefacedness. To be shamefaced is to be modest and have a sense of shame and know how to show shame. I like this word, a sense. Again, it's not a rule. It's not a regulation. It's just a sense. And this sense of shame matches matches the nature of a woman. Two, when a sister speaks in a church meeting, she should do so with modesty, with a certain amount of shamefacedness. Oh, we want all the sisters to speak, to prophesy, to function in the church meetings. You know, once upon a time in the recovery, the sisters were not allowed to speak at all in the meetings. Do you know that? In China. They were allowed to pray. They're allowed to pray, but never to speak. And you know what happened? The brothers realized when the sisters were not allowed to speak, the church was deprived of so much riches that are in the sisters. So after a while, we gave up that rule. And we allowed, and we even encourage nowadays for the sisters to speak. Now here, when it says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assert authority over a man, but to be in quietness, it does not mean prophesying. Because if you read 1 Corinthians 14, all can prophesy, including a sister. Here we are talking about what? Not that kind of prophecy, but we're talking about teaching with authority to define and decide the meanings of doctrines concerning the divine truth. That is a job for the brothers. The sisters should not do this. But to prophesy, but to testify, but to speak forth Christ and to speak Christ and to minister the Lord life into the saints, the church. We need the sisters to speak very much. But but remember this. When you are speaking in public in the meetings, you should remember you are still a sister. 
And your speaking would be a modest kind of speaking. Your tone, your voice, your gesture will have a certain amount of shamefacedness to it. That befits a proper sister. And I have seen sisters like this. They have so much to say. Well, let me make just tell you one. And that is our dear sister, Lee. That is Brother Witness Lee's wife. And I was serving in the church in Anaheim for a number of years. That's where she was and Brother Lee was. And I observe her in the meetings. We're a lot in the meetings together. And let me tell you, how this is a spiritual sister, a very weighty sister, very weighty sister. You know, before she married Brother Lee, she was a co-worker, a sister co-worker in Taiwan. <clears throat> and she would stand up and say something. You will be so watered, so supplied. You're so much brought into the Lord's presence. But all the time, you know, you just know that she was covered. She was speaking under the covering of the brothers. She was modest. She was sober. It was a holy woman speaking to us but ministering so much Christ to us. So I have seen that, but I've seen many others like that. Sorry, sometimes when I see some sisters speak, what they speak is good, really good. But then the way they present those things, the way they speak, uh, leave something to be desired in this department of sobriety and modesty. D, all the sisters in the church life should have the virtue of modesty. The sisters should dress according to the principle of modesty. This principle does not allow the exposure of one's body. Two, for a woman to expose her body is to go against the principle. Oh, am I, did I jump over many points? Did I? I think I did. Okay, let me go back here. Three, C3, modesty is a great safeguard and protection to a female. Again, protection. It is a mistake to teach girls in the same ways as boys. Boys may expose themselves in certain situations. Now, we're not here talking about indecent exposure here. The meaning here is, you know, boys, they get assertive, they get you know, rambunctious, they get boisterous and rowdy. You know what I mean. Boys get that way. Girls, however, should not. Otherwise, they will be without protection. The lack of protection can open the way for fornication. Five, if the women working in an office have the virtue of modesty, they will be free from any improper involvement with the men who work there. The proper covering, the necessary modesty, shamefacedness, causes them to keep a proper distance. Even a little thing such as distance between a man and a woman, a brother and a sister, is to be observed. It means something. It says something. 
D, all the sisters I read already, huh? In the church life should have the virtue of modesty. Uh, the sisters should dress according to the principle of modesty. This principle does not allow the exposure of one's body. For a woman to expose her body is to go against the principle of modesty. A sister needs to have a head covering, not only physically, but also psychologically, ethically, morally, and spiritually. This is the modesty spoken of in the Bible. The sister thing that I mentioned earlier in the beginning of this word, they all wore this head covering, this little round thing. They all wore them. Every one of them. My, you look at them. This is so proper. But in fact, what you touch, what you sense, is the opposite. There's no head covering there. That is just the what? The exposure of a sister. As a woman that is uplifted. Sitting in the front row. Sitting in the front row. There's no modesty nor sobriety. It was so bad that our brother Lee had to touch that publicly in one meeting. And eventually that thing was stopped. Um, For to be modest simply means that a female is fully covered in every way. Sister, it is a beautiful thing for you to be covered in this kind of way. Right? Not just physically, but ethically, morally, spiritually, for sure. E, the sisters should never forget that they are females. They must be true, especially, this must be true, especially of young unmarried sisters. One, they should be careful not to allow any evil thing to defile the holy body, which has been separated unto God and which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Two, for a young woman to preserve her body in this way requires modesty. Three, all the young sisters need to wear a heavenly cloak. You see, not just something physical, but a heavenly cloak to cover themselves from the influence of this evil age. Then they will be preserved for God's purpose. A very, very appropriate word for the dear young sisters among us. F, along with modesty, the sisters need sobriety. As a sister is practicing modesty, she needs to be sober. You know, Paul paid a lot of attention to this matter of sober-mindedness. And in Titus, in Titus, when he talked about uh, spoke to about the older women and the younger women, sober-mindedness was the top virtue. You may think sober-mindedness is needed for a man, you know, for a brother. No, Paul was very strong concerning sisters needing to be sober. Far from being foolish, um, she, the sister, should be sober-minded and discreet. She should be clear about things, and have a keen discernment. Um, Two, a sister should be quiet, 
but she should not be without sobriety and discernment. I remember Sister Margaret Elizabeth Barber, M.E. Barber, the missionary that came to China. She was a disciple of D.M. Panton, a very spiritual woman. Brother Watchman Nee was mentored, mentored by her at a very young age when he started to serve the Lord. You know, today, I always say that if Brother Watchman Nee is our father, you know, our spiritual father in the recovery, then I would take the liberty to say that Sister Amy Barber may be our grandmother. <laughs> she helped Brother Nee so much. <clears throat> Brother Nee in 1936 gave a testimony. Uh, by that time, Brother Sister Barbara had passed. And, um, and Brother Nee said in 1933, when he went to England, and then to U.S., and then, believe it or not, Canada, she actually, he actually went all the way to Vancouver and spoke there and went back to Taiwan from the other way, on, on the Pacific uh, through the uh, Pacific. And <clears throat> Brother Nee in that trip met all the top Western Christians, the top, especially in England and also in, in, uh, in North America. He went back to China, and in 36, he gave a testimony concerning his early days and how he was helped by Sister Barbara. He said this. He said, I have met the top Christians in the West. I have not found another sister like Sister Barbara. That That is so spiritual. So much in life and for life. I paraphrase here. You can go read this if you get that book, The Seer of the Divine Revelation. And that is the biography of Brother Nee that Brother Witness Lee wrote. Go there, you will find it. Um, His testimony of Sister Barbara in this way. And that sister, who is the sister who knows the truth, the sister who knew life, the sister who gave his life to be a nobody in southern China. But through her, a vessel of this age was perfected and edified and raised up in the person of Watchman Nee. I say we're here today sitting here because of Sister Barbara. She was a person sober, discreet, modest, um, discerning. You can just tell. Three, the sister should attend the church meetings in order to gain the full knowledge of the truth. This knowledge will cause them to be sober in their understanding. 
then along with their modesty, they will have what Paul calls holiness with sobriety. Some sisters, they may seem holy, but they're not that sober. Or they may seem spiritual, but they are not that sober-minded. We need both. Four, they will not be holy in a foolish way, in a way devoid of knowledge. Sisters need knowledge. You do need the knowledge of the truth. On the contrary, they will be holy in a way that is full of knowledge, understanding, and discernment. So that's the end of my first word. I hope this is a good word for all of us. And uh, um, please consider this and uh, uh, study this, you know, um, in the coming days. Brothers, I stop here. Amen.